The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. I bring a word of encouragement to the person that has been promoted to what he thinks or she thinks is beyond her level of competence. It looks as if you've been given a true pull promotion and you feel as if you are totally not deserving to be where you are. I bring you a word of encouragement. I bring a word of encouragement to that person that has been waiting for promotion for six years or more and you see everybody else passing by you and you're saying, when will my turn come? I bring a word of encouragement to the person that has received a vision that is bigger than he, than her, or for him. You look as if it's not possible for God to use you in this way. It really can't be you that God wants to use. I bring you a word of encouragement. I bring a word of encouragement for that new husband that thinks, do I have what it takes to be a husband? Or the new mother that says, Really, how am I going to be able to take care of this child until it becomes like those teenagers? I bring you a word of encouragement. I bring a word of encouragement for those that have received the answer to their prayers and those that are still waiting on God for the answer to their prayers. This morning, we're going to be talking about seeing ourselves through God's eyes. It's a word of affirmation. Um, and I think it's really important for us to see ourselves through, God eye, through God's eyes. But before we go ahead, I'll, I'll give a quick definition of affirmation. Affirmation means emotional support or encouragement. It also could mean something declared to be true, a positive statement or judgment. Sometimes it means supporting the value of something or someone. For us to be able to see ourselves through God's eyes, we need to receive the affirmation that God is giving us. Sometimes through his words, sometimes through other people, but sometimes directly to our hearts. I believe that many times it's difficult for us to receive and come into the true knowledge of the prophecy that God has given us sometimes. You know, and sometimes it's only because it seems as if it's impossible. It can't be me that God is saying these things to. As if he doesn't know you. As if God, it's possible for God to make mistakes. So my word of encouragement to you this morning, to all of us, to me too, especially me is that we should see ourselves through God's eyes. Can someone say with me, I will see myself through God's eyes. From the Bible verse read by Pastor earlier, um, we were introduced to a man called Gideon. Gideon was introduced to us in that verse as a fearful, doubtful, insecure, timid man who lived at a time that Midianites were dealing with the Israelites. And it's easy for me to call him doubtful, insecure, timid. I wasn't living there in those times. I wasn't living in a place where people that were bigger, stronger, many more, multitude of people, more than my community in numbers, will come every time we had a harvest and clean out everything completely. For seven years, the Bible says that Israelites lived in caves and mountains out of fear. The Midianites made sure that the children of Israel were impoverished. They would come and take their cattle, they would come and take every produce they had. The Israelites had nothing and they lived in fear. This is why, where the Bible introduce, introduces us to a man called Gideon. 
When Gideon was going to introduce himself, he called himself the least in his family. And he called his house the weakest in the house of Israel. He definitely did not have a very good self-esteem. But I don't say that in judgment. I say that fully realizing what, he was, what they were going through at that time. So to quickly summarize what the long Bible verse taught us. Um, we had seen Gideon, who had seen the angel of the Lord. He had seen fire come out of the rock and burn a goat offering in verse 21. Gideon knew that this was the angel of the Lord that he was seeing face to face. And the angel of the Lord had affirmed him in verses 22 to 23 to say, don't be afraid, you will not die. After the angel of the Lord had affirmed him, he went, he tore down the, the altar of Baal, even though he tore it down at night because he was afraid, but he tore it down nonetheless. And after then, God had showed him deliverance. Because even though everybody thought Baal was going to deal with him, his God is more powerful than Baal. So nothing happened. In verse 34, the Bible records that the spirit of the Lord came over Gideon. Yet by the time we got to verse 33, this same Gideon that had seen everything God had done, was still asking God for proof. If it is you that you are sending me, do this and do that. Somebody say, I will see myself through God's eyes. So why should we trust God's validation? I mean, why? Why? I mean, we know that we, we're supposed to trust God because he's God. But why should we trust God's validation? Because when God was calling Gideon, somebody that was scared and in a cave, a mighty man of valor, God was affirming him. God was validating him. God was saying to him things that he himself could not even think or imagine. Why should we trust it when God says those things? The first reason, well, I think the answer really is because God loves us and knows us more than we can ever love or know ourselves. But the first reason, the first thing that affirms me from God is the fact that God made me in his own image. I think that is, 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 is one of the biggest things. I mean, he could have made us like a box. He could have made us like trees. But he made us, the Bible says he made us in his own image image and in his own likeness that is the first affirming thing about God so when that God that made the heavens and the earth and made us in his own image and likeness says to you that you have overcome and you've gotten your full recovery then you should believe it amen the second reason why we should believe the affirmation of God, or why we should allow ourselves see ourselves through God's eyes, is that it's because Jesus, God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins when we were yet sinners. I think probably this is the second biggest thing. Even though we were sinners and we were wallowing in our filth, this God loved us so much that he sent his only son to come and die for us, not knowing if we will accept him or not, but he sent his son regardless. Now, someone that is able to do such a big deal, such a big thing, I think it's important that when he affirms us that you believe him, that he's not joking about it. The third reason why we should trust God's validation of us is because God really loves us. I, I want us to read some Bible verses to hear how God describes us, the kind of words, the kind of adjectives he uses for us. Zechariah 2 verse 8. And we'll clear up Deuteronomy 
32.10. In those two verses, God describes us as the apple of his eyes. For, this, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. Verse um, Deuteronomy 32.10 He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eyes. God is so in love with us that even the hairs on our head are numbered. Matthew 10.30, Luke 12.17, we don't need to read those. But someone that describes you as the apple of his eye, someone that bothers to count your hair that you don't even count yourself. When that God tells you that you have full recovery, believe it. Even if you can't see it yet, believe it. The fourth reason why, you know, we should believe it when God affirms us is that it's impossible for God to lie. He has nothing to gain by lying. His nature makes it impossible for him to lie. So if God says to you, you have full recovery, even if you were not going to have full recovery before, because he has said it and everything he says must happen, then you have full recovery. So, the, well, one of the good, important reasons for you to believe it when God affirms you is that God cannot lie. Has he said it? Then it will happen. Amen. Fifth reason is that God gave us the same power that he had. And for me, this is impactful because the Bible says... In, I believe, Romans 8, 11, that the Spirit of God, that same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He's not selfish to keep a superior, I mean, we all know that all power belongs to God. But the same power that he used to raise up his child, that's the same power that lives in you. The God that is benevolent enough to share that kind of power with you surely cannot be lying to you. So when he says to you something or he's showing you a picture of where he wants you to go, even if it's difficult for you to align yourself to that picture, do it because he means it. The sixth and seventh reason is that he left the, God left the third part of Trinity to stay with us on earth. We find that in um, John 16, 7. Holy Spirit is very important. Yet, Jesus went so that the Holy Spirit can come back and stay with us. And the last reason, um, reason 7, is because Jesus is coming back again for you and I. John 14, 1 to 3 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. For me, these reasons and many more that I probably don't know or probably can't mention, for me, seals it that when God is saying something to me or sees me in a particular way, he means it. So I want to go to, to some examples of how sometimes we see ourselves or people see us versus how God sees us. The Bible tells us that in John chapter 1, the first time 
Jesus set eyes on the man, the disciple that was called Peter, that was called Simon. It wasn't called Peter at that time. Jesus gazed at him intently and said, you will be called Cephas or Peter or Rock. There was nothing rock-like about Simon at that time. It was impossible for anyone that knew him to even think that he would be who the person that they would call the rock of the church. We've already read the story of Gideon. Gideon saw himself as the least in the smallest clan in Israel, yet God saw Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Abraham saw himself as an old man with an old wife who had to help God in order to have a child. But God saw him as Abraham and his wife as Sarah, parents to many nations. Moses saw himself as a stutterer in Exodus 3 and 4 and unworthy to engage Pharaoh. God saw Moses as a leader who will lead his people out of captivity. In 2 Kings chapter 4, the poor widow saw herself as the only one jar of oil woman. That's how she described herself. That's how she could see herself. She didn't describe herself that way, but that is how she could see herself. But God saw her as an unlimited supply of oil woman who would only be limited by the number of jars of oil she had. David saw himself as a brave shepherd boy. I'm sure that's how his father saw him as well. But God saw the most famous and greatest king of Israel. Jeremiah, in chapter, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6, saw himself as too young. How can I speak for you, God? I'm too young. But God saw him as his mouthpiece. God had appointed him to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Paul saw himself as a learned Jew. He thought his mission in life was to persecute Christians. But God saw him as an instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to kings, and to Israel. Joseph's brothers saw him as a spoiled brat. They also saw him as a dreamer. But God saw him as the prime minister of Egypt who will save many, including his family, from famine. The truth is, we are limited by our experiences in life. Because we're human beings, we judge by outward experiences, outward appearances. We judge by our experience. We look at someone and we say, this one. Do we not know when she received Christ? How can then she be the one that is going to go and start up that church in XYZ? We can't help it. We're limited by our prejudices. We're limited by our biases. And this is not that we're even trying to be wicked. We do it to other people, but we do it to especially ourselves. You enter a place... And if God is not helping you with confidence, because you know that you did not go to the best schools, because you know that probably the people that are in that place are from affluent homes, and they probably had a different kind of lifestyle than you do, than you do or you did, you immediately shrink because you are seeing yourself through your own eyes. And it's difficult for you to see the mighty man of valor that God is seeing. You're like Moses that God is speaking to and saying, go and stand in front of Pharaoh. And you're like, eh? Who am I to stand in front of Pharaoh? And you begin to look for all the excuses when God is calling you. God is saying, I'm calling you to, I don't know, probably to ministry. And you're like, me. Me. Me that is throughout universities, party that I attended. And I've just graduated now. You're telling me to go and preach. But God can always see a minister of God 
God, because he sees the end, already knows that you will be mighty. And he's telling you to move. And I'm encouraging you this morning that we need to see ourselves as God sees us. Because he's not limited by past experiences. He doesn't have any prejudice. He doesn't have any bias. He sees the end from the beginning. Actually, before you were born, he knew where you were going to get to. When you were attending all those parties, he was still God. He saw you. So regardless of everything he knows about you, he's saying, you will serve me. So who are you to say, I can't do it? And it's not only ministry. God has called some people to be outstanding in the marketplace. And they've said, oh, oh, by the way, you are the new MD. And for some people, that is time for them to run away. They literally want to die. Not because they don't want to be promoted, but because they know. They feel as if they're fake. They feel as if everybody is more qualified than them. You mean that, oh, I'll be attending the same meeting with X, Y, and Z that went to Harvard, Princeton, Yale? And me, with my whatever degree, I'll be sitting at the same table with people like that. And it's almost as if God is too much. I'm not ready yet. Don't promote me. But hopefully, by the time we're done, will realize that the reason God is promoting you is not because of you. I'm not saying you are not important. You are. But the purpose behind what God is doing in your life is bigger than you. So please align to how God sees you. What happens when we finally see ourselves through God's eyes? We're going to re go back to the book of Judges, we're reading the chapter 7 verse 9 to 15. We're still reading the story of Gideon. The Bible says it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. But you, verse 10, but if you are afraid to go down, Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you, will, you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and Amalekites... All the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Verse 13, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, there is that, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Verse 15, and so it was, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, that he worshipped, he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Verse 16, then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hands with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, 
then you also blow the trumpet on every side of the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. The first thing that happens when you finally see yourself through God's eyes is that you receive boldness for your assignment and destiny. This same person that God had been telling, you will defeat the Midianites. I will put the Midianites in your hands. That he will go back and he will ask for this sign. He will go back. He will ask for this sign. By the time he heard the, the interpretation of the dream, verse 15 said that immediately he heard it, he worshipped. And then he acted. Immediately you see yourself as God sees you. From out of nowhere, you receive a boldness that you cannot understand. Because finally you have gotten it. Finally it has sunk in your heart that God is about to do something mighty through you. And maybe that doubt and fear goes, it is re it's replaced by boldness that you cannot explain. The same night, this same person that God had to encourage by telling him to go and listen to other people, got up immediately and acted. What was the difference? He had finally seen himself through God's eyes. The second thing you realize when you see yourself through God's eyes is that the mission or the assignment or your destiny is not really about you. It's about something bigger. I don't know if you noticed it when I was reading the verse. In verse 14, when they were given the interpretation of the dream, um, the man said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. But when Gideon was going to respond in verse 15, towards the end, he said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. He was talking to the Israelites. He had realized that the destiny was about to fulfill. It wasn't about him, Gideon. Even though the interpretation of the dream said, God is delivering it into your hand, Gideon, Gideon turned back and looked at the Israelite and said, God is delivering it into your hands. Because he realized that his destiny, the fulfillment of his destiny wasn't about him. Please listen to me. The reason why God is going to bless you is not about you. He's going to bless you because he wants to use you to bless some other people. The reason why God wants to use you is not about you. It's not so that they'll be saying, oh, this is the mighty man of God. That's not the plan. He's raising you up to use you. He wants you to serve him. Because by your life, many will be drawn to the saving knowledge of Christ. So this mission is actually more important and more critical than you. So we can't allow ourselves get in the way. Even if you are too scared to do it for yourself. Do it for the people God is using you for. Stand up and see yourself through God's eyes. Another example of the mission being bigger than ourselves was something that Esther was made to understand by Mordecai. In Esther 4, 13 to 16, I'll read it. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, who was scared um, to do what she was supposed to do. She was scared to go into the king because it was certain death for anybody that the king didn't summon but went into the king. So Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you are in a palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Immediately, she, she realized that it was bigger than her. 
that this mission was for something more important than just one person, Esther sent this reply back to Mordecai in verse 16. She said, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. The only way someone who was scared only some verses ago could say something as bold as, if I must die, I must die, is only because she realized that this is bigger than you. The third reason, the third thing that happens when you finally see yourself through God's eyes is that you feel peace that comes from being aligned with God's will. 2 Timothy 4, 7, 4, 7. Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. That confidence can only come from someone who knows that he is walking in God's will. If sometimes you have no peace in your heart, I mean, you're extremely successful, but you know that there's something that is missing. You know that you have not done what you are supposed to do. People that are in that space know how uncomfortable and how, I don't know, I don't know the adjective for it. You know the, the emotion you feel until you align yourself into what God is calling you to be. For example, God is saying to you that you are supposed to help in children's church. And you come to church every Sunday, you come very early, you sit down, you do all the things you are supposed to do, and you go home, you know, and you just feel that there's something a bit missing. And God keeps on telling you, stand up and go to children's church. You would agree with me that until you get to children's church, and until you start serving where he has called you, that is the only time you can feel complete in his presence. Because you know you are fully aligned with his will. So the third thing that happens when you are aligned with God, the way God sees you, is that you feel a peace. The fourth things that happened, yeah, we're only going to five things, so we're almost there, um, is that you encourage other people around you to fulfill their destiny. The Christian walk is a walk of huge responsibility. Your life what God has given you, the opportunity God has given you, comes with huge responsibility. The way you do life, the things you achieve for God, has an impact on the people around you that are watching you. So, if you realize that me doing what God has destined me to do, even though it looks as if it's overwhelming, if you realize that it's important that I do it because of everybody around me achieving their own destiny. If you realize that there's a responsibility that you carry just by being a child of God, then you'll be quick to see yourself through God's eyes. Um, the story here we find in several books in the Bible, but it's a story of James, the brother of Jesus. I think the second time we were introduced to him in the Bible was in John chapter 7, verse 5. And this time, James, even though he was the brother of Jesus, did not believe in Jesus' ministry. Um, the Bible says, for not even his brothers believed in him. Actually, in this verse, they were mocking him. Go, go, you know, go and do what God has sent you to do. They didn't believe him. By the time we met James again in Acts 1.14, this time Jesus had gone on the cross and fulfilled his destiny, James and his brothers were together with the disciples in the upper room. The Bible says they all met together, Acts 1.14, and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. The next time we're going to see James was in Galatians 1.19. He was with Peter when the newly converted Paul, Saul that turned into Paul, came to meet Peter in Jerusalem. By the time we got to Acts chapter 15, 
James was the chairman of the Jerusalem Council. So when they came to judge a case, he was the one that gave the final decision. This was the same James that did not trust Jesus' destiny. Now, if Jesus had not fulfilled his destiny, would James be the chairman of the Jerusalem Council? So it's easy to say, Jesus, if you don't see yourself as God sees you, there are many people like James that will not get where they're supposed to get to. They might eventually get there, but will not get there on time or might not get there at all. You have a responsibility that is bigger than you. And the reason why God has chosen you for whatever he has chosen you for, I don't know what he has chosen you for, is to trigger the destinies of the people around you. So reason number four is that you encourage other people around you to fulfill their destiny. Reason number five is that Jesus will be glorified. When Moses was finally leading the Israelites out of bondage, Jesus was glorified. When Gideon became the mighty man of valor that God had called him a long time ago, Jesus was glorified. When Joseph became a prime minister, Jesus was glorified. When David was no longer a shepherd boy, but one of the most popular, probably the greatest king of Israel, Jesus was glorified. In your life, when will Jesus be glorified? Jesus will be glorified nonetheless. But are you stopping? Are you delaying? Because you really can't stop it. It's only a matter of time. You'll get to where he wants you to get to. Even if he has to drag you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about glory to the Father. So seeing ourselves through God's eyes allows Jesus to be glorified. So some people might be here and they're saying that, oh, but how will I see myself through God's eyes? I mean, to Jeremiah, God spoke to him. To Gideon, God spoke to him. Um, to Moses, God spoke to him and showed him a burning bush and even did some miracles through him. God hasn't spoken to me before. First thing is that you need to hear from God. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a free gift. Um, you need to do NCR. You need to hear from God. The second thing is that God also speaks to us through his word. And there are many affirmations in the word of God for us. And I'm going to read some to us um, that I'd like for you to repeat after me. I'd like for you to personalize it and repeat after me. And then we'll pray. The Bible says in John 1.12 that you are a child of God. So say, I'm a child of God. John 15, 1 to 5, the Bible says, you are a branch of the true vine and a conduit of Christ's life. I am a branch of the true vine. I'm a conduit of Christ's life. John, um, you are a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of Jesus. I have been justified and redeemed. I will not be condemned by God as I have been set free from the law of sin and death. I am a child of God and a fellow heir with Christ. I have been accepted by Christ. I have been called to be a saint. Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, the Bible calls us saints. And I need to stop there because, I mean, the first time Pastor Papi was teaching us Thrive, um, and we got to Ephesians 1.1, and he said, you know, God calls you saints. And for me, I, I, I couldn't pronounce saint in the same sentence as my name. You know, and it took a while for me. I had to say it over and over and over and over and over again before I could say saint in the same sentence as my name. 
But to someone here this morning, actually to everyone, your name is Saint XYZ. That is how he sees you. You might not feel as if you are there yet, but he already sees you as Saint Bisola, Saint Morolake. That's how he sees you. I am joined to the Lord and I'm one spirit with him. God leads me in triumph and in the knowledge of Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been made one with all who are in Christ. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I am chosen, holy, and blameless before God. I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I am God's workmanship created to produce good works. I have boldness and confident access to God through faith in Christ. I am a citizen of heaven. God supplies all my needs. The peace of God guards my heart and mind. My life is hidden with Christ in God. God loves me and has chosen me. I have been chosen of God. I am holy and beloved. Amen. There are many more affirmations. We give God glory. There are many more affirmations. The Bible is full of affirmations. God is speaking directly to you. For some people, they know where they're supposed to be. They know what God is saying to them. I mean, I almost think that unless it is big and scary, it's not a vision from God. Because if it was easy to accomplish, then it would be your mind telling you it could be there. So my word of encouragement is to that person that has a big, hairy, audacious goal. That word of encouragement is saying, you will make it. The person that gave you that dream does not lie. The person that gave you that vision loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you while you were yet a sinner. That voice that is telling you you are not good enough is not a voice from God. You, were, you are here for a time like this. God has saved you for a time like this. You are meant to be here. You are meant to be doing what God is asking you to do. Your background does not matter to the maker of the heavens and earth. He does not need connections to promote you. He does not need anybody's validation to take you where you are supposed to be. Because he said it, it is so. I want us to stand up and worship this God. I want us to bring those things that he has said he will do in our lives that are scaring us to him. To the people he has said many things to. He's showing you. When you dream, he shows you where he's taking you to and you are scared. (laughs) I want us to bring it to the God most high. And I want us to bring it to him in worship. Let's worship, let's worship, let's worship the one that does not lie. What you said you will do. That is why, that is why you are called Jehovah.
going to happen I don't know how you're going to do what you said you will do but I'm confident that because you've said it it will happen father we draw strength from our confidence and the most high God we draw strength in the confidence that because you've said it it will be so we are confident that every affirmation you have given to us in the word will be our portion I am what you've said I will be even though I don't know how I'm going to get there. That which you've proposed for my life, I align with now in the mighty name of Jesus. We are bold. We are courageous. Not because we know why, because we know our God that is able to accomplish that which he has said. If he has said it, it will be so. It is so. Today I receive strength to move forward. We receive the strength to move forward. We receive the strength to be bold. To take the step of faith. We receive strength this morning. confident and the power and the blood of Jesus we are confident because we know you do not lie father we're confident because we know you have every power to accomplish that which you want to accomplish in our lives so this morning we connect to the rock of ages and we draw strength for our future we draw strength for our destinies from now on we will see ourselves as you see us in the mighty name of Jesus we have prayed and the church says amen 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 as we sit down with our eyes closed for some people <laughs> for them it is that they can't even see themselves as a saint because they are aware of where they're coming from because they're being truthful to themselves it looks as if it's such a big deal for God to save them so the first step that they have to take themselves is to come into the saving knowledge of Christ so if you're here today with all eyes closed please and for you the first way of seeing yourself through God's eyes is actually seeing yourself as saved, as a saint. I'm encouraging you this morning to raise up your hand where you are seated. To just say, God, I know it seems almost impossible for someone like me to be saved, but I see myself through your eyes and I want to come into the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus this morning you sent your son to die for my sins and this morning I want to acknowledge that sacrifice
Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We exalt you. We thank you for the time in your presence. We thank you because when we come to you, you ensure that we go home joyful. We thank you for the joy that comes from encouragement. We thank you because all the glory is yours. Be thou exalted in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.